0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Husky yeah, Talk. I am your host, Garrett Bates. Today we are here with an Iditarod veteran and Eagle Scout, Matthew Faylor. Hi, Matthew.
1: Hey, Garrett. How are you doing?
0: Good. Thank you for being on our show this week.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Okay, For our our first segment of the show is titled, Who Inspires You? During this segment, we would like for you, Matthew, to tell us a little about bit, of, bit about Who inspired you to get involved in the Iditarod? Well,
1: my inspiration in getting involved in Iditarod revolved around uh, a a couple people. My first involvement uh, with sled dogs was back in two thousand and six, and I worked for a, a company, and my manager, his name was Matthew Hayashida, and he raised the Iditarod. And I worked for a girl named Abby West. I handled her dog. And she ran the Yukon Quest, so I I had the, uh, the joy of learning both 1,000-mile races back in 2006, and those two mushers kind of propelled my interest in dog mushing and eventually led me to a guy named Martin Boozer, who really took it to a whole other level because he was the one that gave me a shot to actually run in the I did rod and do more hands on training and just more in depth training. But um, Abby West and Matt Hayashida Matt Hyashita got me in with Martin Boozer. And so Martin is probably my my you know the most inspirational musher that that opened the door to I did rod for me.
0: Okay, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Did you play sports as a kid?
1: Uh, I played lots of sports.
0: How did that help on the trail for mushing um the, the sports that i played were baseball basketball soccer and, and they were more team
1: sports as opposed, as opposed to individual sports like golf or boxing or or maybe tennis but so i think the sports that i played uh helped me on helped me out on the trail because i understand the importance of the team and um and the fact that can't get to the finish line or you can't win the game by yourself you have to involve your teammates and so it's um, that's one of the more beautiful things about this sport
0: is it's it's an organization and a big team. Okay. We saw you went to college for photography. What made you interested in photography?
1: Um, Well I come from a long long list of uh, artists in the Faylor and Finn family. My mother's maiden name is Finn and So um, my uncle, my aunt, um, even my mom, several people on my dad's side are artists. And um, my aunt is a photographer. And so that kind of um, pushed me into the the fine arts photography uh, angle in college. I really enjoyed drawing, not so much painting, but drawing and uh, photography. And then, yeah, I I think uh, I just really enjoyed, you know, the art, and the art aspect in college.
0: We also saw that you were an Eagle Scout. Does that help you on the trail, and can you explain in what ways?
1: I grew up in the Boy Scouts and worked my way from being a, like a Tiger Cub all the way up to Cub Scouts and then to Boy Scouts and eventually becoming an Eagle Scout. And My parents and my family had a huge um, you know, they're, they're huge in that aspect where they helped me. Um, and being a Boy Scout along with being an athlete on uh, you know on teams in high school have, have shaped me into becoming this I did out dog musher I guess but Boy Scouts have, have given me a lot in life as far as how to how to think and how to um, always look look for a different way to to do something you know whether or not um, if it's building a fire or building a shelter or just problem solving, you know, it gets you outside of uh, the house and it teaches you a little bit about yourself and your being uncomfortable, being in the woods, and just learning how to adapt and overcome and achieve. So, those things come out all the time in dog mushing, and you don't really realize it because it just happened. It's who you are now. So, I'm really thankful that I got involved in the Boy Scouts from a, from a young age because it's shaped me into who I am now.
0: What would you say the biggest difference between growing up in Ohio and living in Alaska now?
1: Well, I think, um, I mean, Ohio's a more populated state, and obviously it's a lot smaller state. And they're just really two different, they're two different styles. Um, another reason why, you know, I mean, we we have 50 states in this country, and everybody, everybody has their own kind of the own their own way they want to live and that's kind of the joy of this country I think but Ohio is different than Alaska in many parts um, I grew up in a in a town that has 50,000 people and now I live in a in a town that I don't even I don't even know if we have 2,000 people so it's a lot colder here it's a lot it's um, a lot more spread out there's there's just differences in and um, obviously in in the geography we don't have huge mountains in ohio um, I don't know if this is answering your question I'm sorry but it's it's a it's almost like a totally different country it's just such a it's um it's a different way of life i mean i now have a i basically have a farm my my dogs are not livestock but but I have dogs that, that need my attention all the time and in Ohio I only had a pet dog and um so my my job now has changed from being in Ohio to now um, living with my animals 24-7 up here in the woods. I hope that answered your question. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, that was really good. Um, what about the Alaskan culture makes you enjoy it so much?
1: So um, what about Alaska do I enjoy so much? So um, the people, I mean, I love the people in Ohio, don't get me wrong, but it's a little different up here because you're um, – you're almost dependent on each other a little more because you're so far removed from, um, you know, from the city or from civilization, if you will. Um, they're very, very helpful, hardworking. The other thing I really enjoy about Alaska is the fact that you can, you can just kind of make your own way. It's really difficult. You can do it anywhere. In hard work, you just have to put it in, and, and you can get places in life. But in Alaska, the land is a lot cheaper. And it's cheaper because it's, it, there's not a lot of people up here, and the demand is different. But you can you can work really hard and save all your money, and you can buy a piece of land and build your own cabin. And it's just the uh, the fact that you can do that in a short amount of time is a lot. It's a lot easier than back home in Ohio because there's so many people there, and and the land is expensive. So that was a big appeal. The fact that I did... I could work really hard after college, save save a lot of money, and go buy a chunk of land and kind of kind of make my own way. I always wanted to be a cowboy in that regard. I always wanted to be like a frontiersman, and so Alaska has allowed me to be like a, a dog mushing cowboy.
0: All right, this next question is several put together. So, where is your okay. kennel located?
1: My kennel is located in Willow, Alaska, um, close to to hatch your past mountains.
0: How many dogs do you have?
1: We have 51. Do you
0: have a favorite dog?
1: Oh, man. Well, I was taught from an early age to never have a favorite mm-hmm. um, because I have a team, so I have to treat, treat all of them as equals. But secretly, deep down, there's this dog named Dionne because she was my, she was my first is my first sled dog so she's 11 years old and she is my favorite and all the other dogs know that but they they give her a break because she's the old lady so mm-hmm.
0: how do you train your dogs
1: training is actually pretty simple um you have to have ultimate respect and love for your animals um but the biggest key and it's it's really it's really easy it's just being positive you need to reward positive behavior and ignore negative behavior and you just have to be honest with them and and consistent you know whether you have a pet dog and you tell the dog that it can't go to the bathroom inside you have to be consistent and you have to be you know the dog has to know what its role as a dog is and you just have to be positive and happy and consistent and it's pretty easy
0: we saw a picture of you brushing your teeth before the race. Is this a superstition?
1: <laughs> um, maybe it was nervous jitters. But um, Martin always told me if you brush your teeth, it's like taking a shower. It just makes you feel good. And we can't really take showers on the race. And there are a few places to take showers, but it's actually kind of it, it's a chore to do that because um, you're, you know, you're so busy. So I think... Uh, Dental hygiene is is important part being a dog musher.
0: We've heard people actually have pizza delivered to you at a checkpoint. Do you like having pizzas delivered to you on the trail? What is your favorite pizza?
1: I love having pizza uh, delivered to me on the trail. It is a uh, I don't think I'll ever grow out of eating pizza. Uh, so I send out I send out DiGiorno frozen pizzas on the trail. We cook them here and then I freeze them and then send them out. I always send them out to checkpoints that have, uh, microwave. So I know I can reheat them cause they're not good. They're not good. Um, heated up in my cook pot in water. They're better in a microwave. So I have that sent out. And then there are several of my, of my friends and boosters that purchase pizza in Unilakle, uh, because there's a, there's a place there in Unilakle called, I think it's called peace on earth pizza. And, um, you can you can order it over the phone and send it to your, your favorite musher and they themselves have to kind of watch the tracker and, and estimate when I'll be in so the pizza can still be warm. Uh, so that's been a pretty neat tradition that, that my my friends have carried on now. I love pizza, uh, pepperoni, but I'm in, in my adult life now I'm growing into a supreme pizza because it has veggies on it. <laughs>
0: what do you do when it's not race season?
1: What do I do when it's not race season? Um, so there's a lot going on at the, at the, uh, the ranch here with the dogs. There's always something to kind of fix or build. It sounds really boring, but I enjoy um, making things better and um, fixing up stuff. There's always sleds that have broken that I need to fix. But my main attention is always focused on juno where i take i take all those 51 dogs and they go down to the southeast part of alaska with me so we have to fix the trailer and make sure the tires and everything are are good to go um make sure the truck is serviced we put all the dogs in this truck and trailer and drive down to skagway or Haynes. you cannot get to juno um by the way of a road, you have to either fly in or you have to take a ferry. So we put all the dogs in the truck and trailer drive to the ferry in Haines and then we take like a six-hour ferry ride to Juneau and then we unload the dogs and then they get a, a helicopter ride up to a glacier and that's where we live for the whole summer, five months. I, the dogs and I live on this like magical glacier where tourists come up and, and they get rides and we teach them how to dog mush and show them uh, the, the sport of dog mushing and so that's usually their first first taste of, of dog sledding on a glacier. It's pretty cool
0: that is cool. Do you have a scariest moment on the trail you would like to share with us?
1: Wow scariest moment on the trail um, there's been there's been a few scary moments um, in 2014. Um, there was a lack of snow here in Alaska. There was not a lot, and you guys know that you need snow to run. I mean, dogs can run on any terrain, but the sleds don't really handle um, just bare ground that well because the brake is supposed to dig into snow, and that that helps stop and stop the team. Anyway, so it wasn't a lot of snow that year, and we still went over the the mountains in the Alaska mountain range and there wasn't any, there, there was not uh, much snow, little to no snow. And, um, it was pretty crazy. There was, there were teams crashed in the trees and, um, I came upon uh, another mushroom who had, who had wiped out and he crashed into a tree and he was fine. His dogs were fine, but his sled was busted up and so we had to help him. I, I stopped and, and, kind of made sure he was okay and I, he didn't want to drive his sled down down big mountain anymore because he was too shaken up about it so I had to park my team and at the same time my friend Peter Kaiser was down at the bottom of the hill and he heard me talking to this guy who had just wiped out but he thought that he was the only one in the woods so Peter thought he was hallucinating he thought he was hearing all these voices bouncing off the mountains and the trees and but, but it was me and another musher uh, talking and so anyways I drove I drove this one down the hill and I had to go back up the hill and drive my dog down the hill that was that was a pretty scary moment I guess um, I wasn't like it was just you know you're going down these huge hills and you know it's a borderline excitement and and scariness I guess because it's the middle of nowhere um, that would been that, that's probably one one moment, I guess. Is that, is that a good answer?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are probably tons of great memories on the trail. Do you happen to have a favorite?
1: Wow. Well, seeing my mom and dad at the finish level is always a great, uh, a great memory. You know, it's, it's neat to travel across the state with your, your dogs, your animals, and accomplish this thing together. Um, you know, think of the whole school year where you you're uh, you meet all these people, you, you develop these relationships, you learn a bunch at school, you've you got sports and activities, and all year long there's stuff that goes on. You have these emotional ups and downs, and you grow and you learn, and you make it through the whole school year, and then, you, and then, you know, now you you've learn more and you get to go to 8th grade and you do all this stuff. Um, it's kind of like that on a where you start and you go through all these emotional swings up, to, up and down with your dog, and you learn all this stuff, and you get to meet all these mushers, and you get to go to all these cool places, and then the next year you get to come back and you already feel like you you knew a little bit more now because you completed last year, and so there are a lot of cool memories, um, seeing Rosie and Lindsey Vaughn as yearlings they were like they are like 18, 16 months old and we we went out into this storm on the Bering Sea coast and it was blowing and couldn't really see anything and these two little two little girls up front they were Martin's dogs that I was training um just to see them kind of like go right into the storm and not even care like, like it's no big deal because they're so confident because you you know again you're on this team That was a really neat neat uh, memory um getting the finish line, and then I think think seeing the volunteers and the native people along the way, you know, actually seeing these communities that that we impact and that we impact in a positive way. These people want to see see the teams. Um, A lot of people want to take vacation time to come be on the race. There's a lot of cool, like, things that happen, and that's why the run is so special. And that's why you have so many memories.
0: Can you tell us how you came up with your candle name?
1: Yeah, um, so the 17th dog is, um, it's basically a tribute and a thank you uh, to anybody and everyone who has helped uh, myself and the dogs get to this point. Um, And, you know, the people that I've worked for in the past have always told me to say we more than I. Because it is a team sport, and you want to include you want to include everybody, and so that's what it's all about is the fact that you cannot have fifty dogs and um, sleds and trucks and things and all this stuff without support, and, and you have to pay thanks to these people, and it's really important to know that it's a team sport, and so. Anybody who cheers us on is considered the 17th dog. And, and the reason why 17 is a special member, which you probably know, is because on the Iditarod, you're only allowed to take 16 dogs. So it's a way to include everybody as, as a, the next member on the team. So 16 dogs in harness. You, my friend, and your teacher, Miss Montgomery, and Martin Boozer, and my mom and dad, they're the 17th dog. Anybody that cheers us on, anybody that you know, wants us to do well is the 17th
0: dog our final segment of the show we like to call Musher Mount Rushmore you know Mount Rushmore right? yep if you were asked to replace the four presidents on the face of Mount Rushmore to faces of Iditarod people who have made a huge impact on the race who would you include? you can pick mushers dogs volunteers or whatever you
1: want wow boy that's pretty cool I mean four, those four four guys on that, that mountain I mean, they're pretty pretty historic figures but if I have to if you're telling me I have to pick four new people that revolve around Iditarod well let's see here um, I would have to say let's say um, Joe Reddington Sr. considered to be the father of the Iditarod um, now I mean there's so many people that, that help the race going but you know he was considered the foreman or the face so Joe Reddington would be up there Joe Reddington Sr. um probably have to put Libby Riddles up there uh for breaking into this quote unquote manly man sport guy thing in Alaska and becoming the first woman to win me I did her out. she'd probably chuckle at me saying that but um that was a huge thing. 1985, Libby Riddles became the first woman to win the Editarod. Um So we have Joe Reddington Sr. and Libby Riddles. This race is not complete without, um, without the dogs, of course. So we would have to put probably one of the best dogs up there. We'll put this dog named Blondie. Uh, Blondie is now one of two dogs that has uh, multiple Golden Harness awards. Um, I will have to look back, but I'm pretty sure Dallas's dog, Reef, I think Reef has multiple Golden Harnesses, but Martin's dog, Blondie, at that point, was the only dog with two Golden Harnesses. And uh, her genetics are littered throughout my team and so it's a, it's a special dog um, and so we got Joe Reddington Sr uh, Blondie and Libby Riddles and we need one more and we would have to go with jeez, um, this is really difficult um, we would probably have to go with like uh, and, um, maybe maybe Herbie Nayakpuk the Shishmaref Cannonball and if you don't know who that is, you'll have to look him up and do some research. But um, a native man from Shishmaref and dog musher. There's an award after him. His family is is uh, is uh, still involved with the race, and he had a great personality. I never met the guy, but I did my own research and kind of looked looked into him. And so he would uh, he would represent the fourth face up there uh, as the cornerstone to Iditarod. That's that's a pretty hard question. That's a heck of a a good question.
0: Do you have anything you'd like to add to the interview?
1: Um, I would like to say thanks for allowing me to be a part of it. Um, I really think it's cool that you guys are um, learning about our state sport. It's very important for the younger generation to, to learn about the Iditarod and about dog mushing. And that is a really cool and beautiful way of life. Um, the dogs have taught me a lot, and they're going to continue to teach me a lot. And it's, it's hard work and dedication. And maybe someday we'll see you up here, and you can, you can get a taste of that, that feeling on the runners.
0: Thank you. Have a good day.
1: Yeah, take it easy.
0: Special thanks to Matthew Faylor for being on Husky Talk. Special thanks to Hobo Jim for our theme song, the Diderod Trail song.